Uh, all right, let's go to Jeremiah. <laughs> this is doing nothing, correct? It's still doing nothing, except getting my way. All right, Jeremiah 17. Um, I try to come up with a title for this. I just have warnings and instruction from Jeremiah. It's pretty dull and generic. Um, we're going to look at uh, a significant portion of this chapter. There's three main thoughts we'll look at here, and uh, I think we can uh, get through them in a reasonable amount of time. And then at the end, I think we can tie the thoughts together here um, to, to get a point here from Jeremiah. So some important things here. Hopefully God can speak to us through that. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we ask that you help us as we look in your word today, that we would allow it to affect us. Lord, our job is to approach your word and change according to it. Lord, we, we don't get to decide. Uh, we just get to, to respond in that way. And Lord, help us to do that today. Uh, help us uh, to be sensitive to your word and your spirit as it speaks to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Three different things today we're going to see in this passage. The first one, we're going to talk about that man is cursed if he trusts in men, but blessed if he trusts in the Lord. Then we'll talk about the heart being desperately wicked. Sorry, I just thought about Valentine's Day. That was not part of my thinking at all. Um, The heart is desperately wicked. I'm sorry, we'll leave that there. And then at the end, uh, we'll talk about the children of Israel here and how they were violating the Sabbath day and ignoring God's instruction from that. So three different thoughts here that, that they're all in the same chapter. So we'll, we'll, I think we can combine them at the end. And uh, each one in itself can be convicting and has uh, instructive things for us. But hopefully the, the package together will, will give us something. So, All right, let's go to Jeremiah 17, verse 5. There we see this, this passage about uh, the cursed be the man. Let's just read down through there, starting in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he should be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green, and shall, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So a pretty straightforward uh, contrast here. The person that trusts in man is this dry, desolate, parched place, so dry and desolate it's hard to imagine a well-watered place, right? The basic picture here is a frustrated, unsatisfying life if we're trusting in man. Sorry, not these particular guys up here, but they're included. All right, the other side is this lush, green, well-watered place, so green that it's hard to imagine that dry, desolate place, a satisfying, fruitful life. And we have this option in front of us. Trusting man gives us that dry, desolate place. Trusting God gives us that green, lush, fruitful place. Uh, Several years ago, I got to go on a trip with my wife. Those are really nice things when you get one, guys. Um, We went to the Mediterranean on a cruise. That was also really nice. Um, And we stopped at uh, Tunis. And this is a dry, dusty city, uh, just ugly, just an ugly city. Um, And, you know, there's the call to prayer at different points through the day and this 
taxi cab driver that speaks mostly good English that you're like, all right, what's, what's really happening with this guy? Where's he taking us? And he says, I got this friend who wants to sell you carpets. And, you know, we go down these back alleys. And we survive. All right. Um, but on this tour, we are in this dry, dusty, desolate place. We went to the American cemetery there from World War II. And we went from dry, desolate to lush and green. If you've ever been to Arlington Cemetery, it was like that. And you look out the gate and see dry and desolate. And that's kind of the picture here. Trusting God isn't like the cemetery. It's like, it's like the lush green that was there. And the rest of the city was trusting in this dry, desolate area. So that's the, that's the, the context or the, the option here before us. The immediate context for them seems to be them trusting Egypt to save them from a Babylonian's coming. But we're not getting invaded yet, although we do have spy balloons over top of us. Uh, but no invasion yet. So, all right. A couple of thoughts here about uh, trusting man versus trusting God. First one is our default position is trusting man. That, that's, that's our default position. We have a sin nature. We're going to go there. That's why we have this instruction. All right. There's other things like that. We don't have instructions in the Bible about, you know, make sure you hold grudges. We do have instructions about making sure you forgive. Right? Uh, we don't have instructions in the Bible about, you know, make sure when you tell a lie you, you, you do that. No. That's our default position. We have instruction to don't tell lies. And here we have instruction to trust God. Our default, our natural position is going to be to trust man. We're going to have to, to be intentional about this if we're going to trust God. And there will come times in life where we have to make a decision. It, it's kind of an empty thing if you say, all right, trust God, but there's never a point where we actually have to trust him. There's going to come times in life where, where you're, you're thinking, the people around you, is screaming, do this, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. That time's coming. We have to decide to trust God. If there wasn't ever going to be that choice, we would, it wouldn't be hard. Like, oh, yeah, I trust God. There's never been a conflict. Right? It's coming. There'll be that point. All right, it's easy to, to look at our crazy world and say, man, they need to trust God. You know, the... It still boggles my mind that somehow it's normal that a guy can pretend to be a girl and we're all supposed to say, oh, yeah, there's nothing to see here. <laughs> all right? Or two guys getting married. And we just go on down the line of craziness in our world and say, yeah, they need to trust God. They're ignoring what God says. They're like the desert. But we can be much the same way. We wouldn't say it out loud like them, but often our actions scream, I'm trusting man. And we've got to intentionally decide that we're going to trust in God. All right, another thought here about this. We've got to do this intentionally. Is that uh, we tend to trust the things that we know the best, the things we're comfortable with. Okay? For this sermon, I have my notes printed. You might be able to read them from there because I've had to make them larger print so I can read them with my glasses on. It's coming if you don't have glasses yet. All right? But I use paper. Some people bring a tablet up here. Nothing evil about that, but I'm comfortable with this. It's worked before. We tend to trust things that we're familiar with, that we're comfortable with. Think about your devotional life. Does that put you in a position where you are comfortable, familiar, close to God? 
Or are you more comfortable, familiar with friends or other things? We have to trust God. And if there's no relationship there, a little nervous about it. Just like I'm not ready to bring my tablet up here. I've never done it before. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. When we get to those points in life where we've got to trust God, we want to have that relationship. So you know what? I'm close to God. This is a very natural thing. I'm going to trust Him. And if we're not careful, the very natural thing will be friends or, or other things, and we'll trust them. And we end up as the dry uh, desert place. Uh, Psalm chapter 1 uses the same illustration. Uh, to teach us about whether we should love God. Let's just go back there and, and read some of that. I would quote it to you, but I'll destroy it here in front of you. All right, verse 1 there says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And we know the rest there talks about the chaff and those who don't make the word of God their delight. This is one of my favorite chapters. Uh, but that verse 2, you can just roll off our lips and think, oh, that's kind of nice. You know, we're blessed if the law of the Lord is our delight. It's just, is it your delight? Then by this passage, then you're not blessed. We need to have that type of relationship with God where it's natural to go there. That doesn't happen in three minutes in the morning. It takes some fellowship. It most likely is going to take more than just mornings. So I talk to my wife at more times than just dinner. Sometimes we just talk spontaneously. We just sit on the couch and make the girls clean the kitchen, and we drink coffee. It's a good... Kids are a nice thing. It's a double-edged sword, though. (laughs) But... But we fellowship, we talk. Is your relationship with God like that? Well, when there's this point of, of question, where there's, there's a decision that has to be made, are you going to turn to trust in God? That's a decision we're going to have to make. So we tend to trust the things we know the best. All right, another thought here. Uh, what carries more weight, my friends or God's word? My I know of us say, yeah, I trust God's words, but, but sometimes our actions don't bear that out. All right, um, I just think it's kind of some mundane, trivial things. Uh, what if somebody, a friend, dies? Should that shake our faith in God? We're trusting God. My faith was in God the whole time. It wasn't my friend that my faith was in. What about if a friend drifts from God? And is no longer faithful to serve. Maybe they're in church. Maybe not in church. Maybe a different church. Are you all of a sudden thinking, wow, maybe, maybe my friend's right. Or is your trust in God? I've had friends do that. Friends that used to sit in chapel with me when I was in college. Who've drifted. My faith should be in God. It shouldn't. I shouldn't be, in my mind, going with them thinking, wow, they must be right. My faith is in God. Or you can have a friend that just completely gives up on God. That shouldn't shake us. Now, hopefully you're, I mean, it's not fun. It could hurt. But my faith is in God. 
not in my friend. And at times like that where somebody completely rejects, it can hurt. But I'm trusting God. That's where my faith is. So another thought of this. So there are friends shouldn't be more important to us than God's word, than what God says. Another thought here is it's easy to go to our friends when we're not happy with the teacher or the authority. Something happens, you get in trouble, you get demerits, you, I don't know, sleep until noon in the dorm and Mr. Schrock finally catches you. <laughs> or whatever, you get in trouble. It's real easy to go talk it over with your friends. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Very dangerous thing to do. Your trust is in God. Your, your, your reaction should be, I messed up, I need to talk to God. Not I messed up, I need to shoot over with my friends. God. As a side note here, um, if you want to, and even if you don't want to, actually, uh, you'll see flaws in every person around you. We're all sinners. It's there. You won't have to look very hard. You can find him in me. Well, Pastor Armacost, Mr. Schrock. I'm kidding. They're there. They're not hard to find. Ask my children. They can point them out to you. Or ask my wife. Make sure you have time. The flaws are there. You'll see them. But God nowhere makes perfection a qualification for obedience. If you go through your whole life saying, my teacher and my pastor, I, they messed up there, so I no longer have to listen. It's going to be a long, painful life. Right? God never, never makes that a qualification. You'll never find that perfect authority. Um, our pastor, Pastor Mitchell, and his wife. I'm going to date myself here. I taught Mrs. Mitchell in high school. I don't look that old, do I? <laughs> And Pastor Mitchell, uh, I was a teacher here when he came to college. Right? So I knew them when they were where you are. Uh, Mrs. Mitchell, I gave to marriage to. <laughs> she still reminds me. She thinks she was cheated a couple of times. We friendly banter back and forth. Right? But it'd be real easy for me to look at them and say, I know their flaws. I don't have to listen. But I'd be dead wrong. Dead wrong. Okay, I actually, um, how do I write this down to make sure I say it right? Um, I deeply respect both of them and seek Pastor Mitchell's advice routinely. Routinely. Questions come up with these guys on the sides. I go to Pastor Mitchell for advice. Sometimes I go to his wife for advice. Maybe one of you girls will be the next one. I don't know. But I could sit here and say, I know their flaws. They're not perfect. She was a brat at times in high school. I'm not listening. And I would be dead wrong. Right? But at time, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll have that spirit about our teachers or our pastor. They're not perfect. They messed up. And they, and they will mess up. You, you know, you pulling out something. I got a demerit and it wasn't fair. I was like, okay, good. Your teacher messed up. That doesn't remove our responsibility to obey. And it definitely doesn't give us any right to go do this with our friends. That's dead wrong. Your trust is in God. You can trust your pastor. 
Not because he's so special. Don't ask his children about that. Not because he's somehow uniquely wise and has unique insight into God's word. Because God gave him to us. My trust is in God. And he gave us this pastor. So this game of looking and finding faults. No, no, no. My trust is in God. And he gave me that pastor. And it really goes all the way down the line. Every teacher in the school is working for that pastor. We're not special, but God has us here. God never makes that perfection a requirement for obedience. So, I'm sorry, that was, a, uh, that was a side note. So the main point was it's easy to go to our friends when we're not happy. That's easy. A couple thoughts directly about that. Why not go to God and discuss it with him? And more than you get your demerits, and as you're walking to the cafeteria, excuse me, to the cafeteria, you say, God, that wasn't fair. And you say, all right, I talked to God. No. Go spend some time talking to God about it. I mean, tell, tell God, God, I'm mad. I got a demerit I don't think I deserved. And let him beat you over the head a little bit. Right? Go to God. We don't like that. Um, why not go to your parents? I have a little note here. Uh, don't paint a false picture of what happened. If you lie to your parents, then they're going to give you bad advice. Why not go to your parents? Why not go to your pastor or go back to that teacher or find some other godly adult and discuss the issue with them? It's real fun and real easy to go to our friends and chew on it the whole lunch period. But it's dead wrong. Dead wrong. I think that sometimes we don't go to those proper godly authorities because we know what the answer is going to be. And we don't want it. We don't want the answer. Or we go to one of those proper authorities and we paint half the picture and get the answer we, we wanted and they were justified. No, you lied. <laughs> and deceived them and got them to react to your lie. You're not justified. It's easy to go to our friends and yip and yap. Go to that godly authority and explain to them how I was so poorly treated. We don't like to do that. And it goes back to, are we trusting God? Or are we going to trust men? If we trust God, we can, that authority is there. We can trust them, not because they're special, but because God put them in place. I can go to Pastor Mitchell and his wife and the other pastoral staff because they're God's pastors for this church, and I can trust them. I know their flaws. I mean, he married my sister. What bigger flaw do you need? (laughs) Sorry, Mrs. Armacost. All right, so. All right, there's, in the end, we place our trust in God. He gave us these people. We can go to them. Our friends is not the appropriate place to go and shoo it over. So, All right, um, let me give you an example here with uh, two examples of friends in the Bible. All right, the first guy, the palsied man whose friends carried him to Jesus and opened up the roof and lowered him down. The palsied man, he had a problem. Imagine this conversation, like, I can't believe God did that to you. You're, pal- yeah, you're handicapped. This is so unfair. I mean, that could have happened with his friends. Would those friends have taken him to Jesus? No. Where do your friends go? Where do they take you? You go to them with a problem? 
You say, I got that demerit. I slept in until noon and Mr. Schrock gave me demerit, whatever it is. Your friends say, wow, you better go apologize to him and talk to God about that. Or do your friends just jump right in there with you? No. Those guys could have sided with him and talked about how bad God was. And he'd never gotten healed. Thinking some other friends. Friends, loosely here. Uh, the demoniac who was uh, cured of the legion of demons, healed all of them cast out in the gatherings. That happens. What did the people in the community want Jesus to do? They wanted to leave. Right? It's Mark, 7, Mark 5. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. What? This man was just had these demons cast out. They're not afraid of the demons. <laughs> they were afraid. And when they saw it, they told him how it befell him uh, that was possessed with the devil and also concerned the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. This man's friends just saw him have these demons cast out of him. And they immediately tried to get between him and the person who had cast him out. Think of your friends. Which side did they fall on? I mean, this guy had something wonderful happen to him. And the friends tried to get between there. Where do your friends take you? They should take you to Jesus. If you go yap to your friends about something that's unfair, they should just say, you know what? I think you need to go talk to Pastor Mitchell about that. Or talk to Mr. Schrock. Or whoever the appropriate authority is. Let's go see him. Please don't open the roof to get in. <laughs> Let's go see him. Or do your friends sit there and yap at you and say, that was unfair, you shouldn't? No. No. Our friends should not be where we trust, we get our trust. It's not in our friends. It's in God. And if your friends aren't pushing you that direction, they need some new friends. I don't want to be that parched dry place. Right? That's your choice. Trust in men. We're the dry, parched place. I don't want to be there. All right. Trusting God. Trusting men. We have that choice. All right, let's go to the second thing here. It starts in verse uh, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. Uh, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. The heart is uh, deceitful and desperately wicked. So the first point I have here is, well, what our heart is. This is our will and our intellect. Our thinking and our mind is not, I think we know there's not the thing pumping in our chest, moving the blood around. Our will and our intellect. So the first point is, our heart is deceitful. Pretty straightforward. It's going to lie to you. Why do you listen? Why do I listen? It's very convincing. But it's not like some of you have a bad heart and it might lie to you. No. Our hearts are wicked. They're going to lie to us. So, All right, so the first point is our heart's deceitful. It's going to lie to us. Second is it's wicked. It's not tricking us to give us something good. Sometimes my wife has lied to me. Well, that's a strong word. Deceived me. Because she's, she was surprising me with a gift. So she orders stuff on Mrs. Armacost's Amazon account, so I don't see it. She's deceived me. Your heart doesn't have a nice surprise in mind for you. It's like, oh, Valentine's is coming. I'm going to listen to my heart. No. 
It's wicked. It's going to lie to you. It's going to take you in a bad direction. So it's wicked. It's not trying to do something good to us. Our heart will do everything it can to convince us that, that we were right, the teacher's wrong, the pastor's wrong. A little worldliness is okay. You know, just like a little wine for the stomach's sake. A little worldliness. Somehow justify our sins. Your heart will take you wherever it can. As far as you let it take you. It will lie to you. All right. Um, still with this point of our heart being wicked, is our heart's deception isn't something to take lightly and play games with. It's never to be trusted. Our trust should be in God. Back to the first point. We're trusting God. So when we have that conflict, my mind says I should do this, and I know God wants this. I think this is going to go bad somehow. I trust God. My heart's going to lie to me. It's going to tell me wicked lies. I'm trusting God. So it's not something to play games with. I heard a joke, speaking of jokes, uh, years ago about uh, kind of a riddle uh, more than a joke. There was a guy traveling down a road, and there's a crossroads, and he has to, doesn't know which way to go. And the guy at the crossroads knows, but he either always lies or always tells the truth. So you can only ask him one question, and what do you ask him? The answer is you ask him, what would you have said? if I asked you which direction to go. So if he's telling the truth, he'll tell the truth. If he was lying, he will lie about what he was going to say and you get down the right path. Right? Our heart doesn't like that. If you're squinting, trying to read, figure that out, don't worry about it. Right? Uh, our heart, it's not some game like, okay, if I, just, if I just manage this thing. No, it's wicked. It's going to lie to you. We've got to be grounded in trusting God, not our hearts, because our heart is wicked and deceitful. All right, the second verse there in that, pa- in that part says, the Lord, I, the Lord, search the heart. So God knows our hearts and searches us. Um, so he created us. He knows how we function. He knows how our brains work. He knows how our emotions work. Um, that's part of the reason for the don't trust man in the previous passage because God knows, God knows us. And the instruction here about not trusting God. Um, the Bible gives us... Um, Lots of just direct instructions. So some things we can go to God's word and it just tells us what to do. Like we're told not to murder people. So if you're trying to decide, you know, like I want to kill somebody, but I don't know. God says don't. Pretty simple. All right. Uh, Lying, gossip. He does say we're supposed to be kind to each other. So there's some things that are black and white. And and it shouldn't hopefully be this big fight. (laughs) Okay, God, I don't understand, but I'm not going to kill my roommate today. All right. Right, so some things are like that. Some things, when we have a step in life to take, like that, you know, God doesn't say, go work here, seniors. That would be really nice. You're like, oh, wow, I've never seen that verse before. Brian Reinhardt, do that. Man, people say it's new every day. <laughs> that's not there. But that's where we can still trust in God. We don't need to trust our hearts. We can trust in God. And God gives us some things. It's not just this, like, vague, my head's in the cloud, trusting God. God gives us some things, I think, to help us. Prayer is one. You can go directly to God and talk to him. It's, he asked for that. Go talk to him. Uh, we can apply other biblical principles. If you're trying to decide about a job to take, if that job is going to require you to break some other principle of the Bible, well, then that's a pretty easy decision. Uh, you can get advice from godly authority. Uh, godly is not a, just an incidental descriptor there. A godly authority. Go talk to them. Somebody will be honest with you. 
even in those decisions where, where God doesn't say, you know, don't murder, we can trust in God and lean on Him, and He will direct us. Our heart is, is not the place to go to. Like, I just feel like... I know we use that term uh, sometimes and don't really mean it exactly, but it's, I, I kind of cringe, and people say, oh, I feel like I should do this. Like, oh, please pick a different word. Right? My feelings shouldn't govern. God, trusting God, should. All right, um, the, the verse goes on there. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways. God is going to reward and punish us. He has perfect insight, not only into our actions, but our inward motivations and desires. And then I wrote, stop and think about this. God knows our heart. And he says he's going to give to every man according to his ways. That's a pretty sobering thought. Now, we know that God is merciful and he provides salvation. But he knows us. And that's a sobering thought, at the very least. All right, so God is going to reward and punish us. All right, the last part of that, the heart is deceitful. Um, it starts in verse 11 there. It says, And the, as the partridge sits on eggs and hatcheth them not, so uh, he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at his end shall be a fool. All right, so it seems like an, an example of trusting our hearts. Here we have somebody that wanted to be rich. And uh, this idea of a partridge, I looked up trying to figure out exactly what it meant, and I found multiple different explanations. So it's, it's either a bird, a partridge sitting on eggs that are never going to hatch, they're dead for whatever reason, or, or they stole the eggs from another bird and they're sitting on them, or some people think it was the, the, the partridge got sat there and they got scared away. Whatever the case is, the bird's sitting on eggs, and they're never going to hatch. They're not hatching. And God uses that illustration for the person that's getting riches and not by right. Our heart would say, if I have wealth, if I have some money, then I'm going to be all set. There's nothing to worry about. I can enjoy myself. I'll be safe. That's what our heart says. And God's screaming, no. That's not the place to go. Um, in fact, the, the verse ends... And at his end shall be a fool. All right, so in this particular example, the person that's seeking riches and not by right, they end up as a fool. All right, so it's just one illustration, one example there of where we need to trust God. Those riches aren't going to, that's not where we get safety and happiness from. It's from God. Our trust should be in God because our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. All right, let's go to the last. Warning we get here in this chapter. <clears throat> if you flip over uh, to verse 19, we're not going to read the whole passage. It really goes down through the end of the chapter. But read a little bit of it here. Verse 19, Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and stand in the gate of the children of the people, whereby the kings of Judah come in, and by the which they go out, and at the gates of Jerusalem, at all, and all the gates of Jerusalem, and say unto them, Hear ye the word of the Lord, ye kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that enter in by these gates. Thus saith the Lord, Take heed to yourselves, and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, neither carry forth a burden. And it goes on to, to describe how they were violating the Sabbath day. Two basic things. Uh, just as not keeping it holy, and it talks about carrying burdens or doing some type of work on the Sabbath day. But the point there is they were violating the Sabbath day. And then God goes on to 
uh, promise them blessings if they quit this violation and curses if they continue this violation. So we're not here. To, I don't want to you know, like dive into the, the Old Testament law and you know, all the details about the Sabbath. That's not the point here. The point I want to talk about, there's three points here I think we can get out of this, this last instruction here. So the first one is that we need to obey. Pretty straightforward. They knew what the rules were, and they weren't obeying. I came across years ago a, a, in a book written by John Stormer a definition of obedience. Obedience is doing what those in authority request or want. It's the opposite of doing your own thing. Okay, so let's just stop there and think. Are you obedient? We should be. They know what the rules are. They weren't, break, they weren't following them. They were being disobedient. Um, don't be like the Jews, down in verse 23. It says there, But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their necks stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. They just like clenched their teeth and said, I am not going to do this. All right, there's a couple thoughts there. One, they didn't obey. Then they didn't incline their ear. They weren't, they weren't anticipating instruction. They weren't looking for instruction. I now have a dog, and uh, he's the best dog in the world, if you're wondering. Um, I really like, anyway, I don't like dogs as the most part, but Henry's pretty good. We'll keep him. Where's Olivia? We'll keep him for a little bit. But when you talk to Henry, he will turn his head sideways, go back and forth, like he's, like he's trying to get his radars tuned into you. Right? He's trying to listen. Sometimes it's fun just to act like you're telling him something. Go watch his, watch his head turn, and he's looking at you. He'll incline his ear because he's expecting something. He's wanting to hear what's there. Sometimes, though, we're like Henry. Uh, when I was walking around the lake with him Saturday, we get out by the old college parking lot, and there's a squirrel running through the leaves. And just like that, Henry's gone. He was no longer inclining his ear to what I said. All right, We have this nice little remote control that makes noise or vibrates or shocks him if he doesn't listen at that point. But these people weren't inclining their ear. They weren't anticipating. They were were hoping, please, please don't give me any instructions. I want to to do what I want. We should be inclining our ear to what he says. And then the other thing there is uh, they stiffened their neck. They had just gotten stubborn. And let me just make sure I read it correctly here. Uh, uh, but may their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. They just refused, and they got to the point where they couldn't hear or receive instruction. That's a scary thought. We need to incline our ears. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sensitive when God's speaking to me. When I'm reading God's Word, I'm not going to make up excuses about why I'm the exception. I'm going to incline my ear to what he says. All right, so the first point is we need to obey. The second point is we need to take heed to ourselves. Verse 21 says, Thus saith the Lord, take heed to yourselves. Individually. God doesn't say, you know, Ray, make sure the other guys in the dorm are doing this. He says, Ray, take care of yourself. It's easy to, to look at others who maybe we think get away with stuff. Say, well, they did it. Why can't I? No. At, at eternity, we're not going to stand in front of our teacher 
<laughs> we're going to stand in front of God. And when you start pointing, you say, well, those, no, no, no. You're going to answer for you. All right? Take heed to ourselves. This is an individual thing here that we're responsible to do. And then the third point is we need to make important the things that God makes important. We can look at that and say, really, they're about to get invaded and carried off into captivity, and you're worried about them carrying pots on the Sabbath day? Well, that's not our choice. God decides what's important. It's our job to agree. Uh, There's several times in the Bible where he gives us some really nice summaries, and I like these. Um, Excuse me. Ecclesiastes talks about fear God and keep his commandments, the whole duty of man. It's a nice summary. Uh, Jesus uh, talked about um, love God, love your neighbor. And the whole law hangs on those two things. That's really nice. But we've got to do more than just like these nice generalities. I agree with that. The details are important. Whatever God has thought was significant enough to write down and preserve for all of eternity, we should make it important. We don't have the luxury like these people thought they had of, well... I'm not that, it's just a Sabbath day, it's just one, no. This is God's instruction. Whatever he makes important, I've got to make important. Right? So three thoughts there about the Sabbath day. We need to obey, we need to take heed to ourselves, and we need to make important the things that God makes important. All right, let me try to wrap this up here. Uh, two questions to, to conclude this, conclude this up. First, are you obeying God and making what He says important? Or are you going to disobey and either trust in man or be deceived by your own heart or some combination of both? Because really, that's the, that's the corner we're backed in here. We're going to obey God and trust God or we're going to disobey and be influenced by our heart, by other things that aren't God ended up disobeying. Now think about you for a minute. Where have I been fallen? Am I trusting God? Am I obeying God? Or am I trusting my heart? Am I trusting man? Do I make the things important that God makes important? Where do we fall out here? This instruction from Jeremiah, if we let it, can be very, very convicting. Let's... I'll close your eyes and stand at our feet.